um, we're going back through studying back to the basics, going over the, the basic stuff so we can all make sure that we're on the right page and move forward uh, with that. And basically we've dealt with uh, salvation, of course, what salvation is, what salvation is not. Uh, then we, we've taken a look at uh, the life that we now have. Good morning. Uh, we've taken a look at the life that we now have um, in Christ Jesus and, and uh, who we are, um, our identification and things like that. And uh, again, last week we, we started taking a look at the salvation of Saul on the road to Damascus. <clears throat> uh, there are muffins and things up here if anybody wants them, but you might want to not fill up on them because lunch smelled delicious. So, yeah, yeah, she's... Yeah, she's finishing up up cooking, so. <clears throat> but in Acts chapter 9, uh, remember last week we started talking about the salvation of Saul on the road to Damascus, what took place there, and like I said, hopefully we answered the questions that we were asked with that, and uh, so hopefully we can move on from there. Um, normally the next question that pops up is, um, what about Cornelius, right? Because that's always, that's always a question that folks have is, well, what about Cornelius? Um, because something changes at Acts chapter 9, and when you come to Acts chapter 10, you've got Cornelius. And the issue with that is, a lot of times what people will do is they'll say uh, one of two things. Either Cornelius is in the body of Christ, um, which can't happen, and we'll talk about that. Um, or they'll say Peter and Paul are preaching the same message. Now, that's an even bigger problem um, than understanding what's going on there with Cornelius. <clears throat> and remember, last week, one of the things we'd mentioned was um, we should never get doctrine from the book of Acts. Right? So as we're going through the book of Acts, remember that's a transition period. Uh, according to Romans chapter 11, we've got that the nation of Israel stumbled at the cross but didn't fall. Um, you actually have a part where they actually do stumble and fall in Acts chapter 7. All right? uh, and from that point on, they diminish. All right? So there's, a, there's, there's an issue that we have to keep in mind as we go through with that is there's a diminishing of the nation of Israel and, the, and what they're doing in their particular issue. Uh, part of that has to also, we have to keep in mind about the issue of progressive revelation. Right? Um, that's something that we have to keep in mind. Now, one of the big questions is, Acts chapter 9, was there just a cut and everything was different? Or was it a gradual thing? And the answer is, it was, it was a straight cut and gradual, if that makes sense. Um, because something happens at Acts 9, and then with progressive revelation, we do have to understand that there are still two ministries going on during that time. And no greater way to see it than what's taking place here. So, what I want to do is, uh, let's just go through Acts chapter 10 and see, see what we've got here. All right. Um, one of the things that we do want to mention 
real quick is you've got from Acts chapter 9, at the very beginning of Acts chapter 9, up through verse 31, is dealing with Paul. Um, which in that case, particular time, it was actually Saul. Um, but then, at Acts chapter 9, verse 32, on down through, um, even through chapter 10, uh, chapter 11, uh, chapter 12, uh, up through chapter 13, you're really dealing with some stuff with Peter. And that's where we find ourselves specifically here in Acts chapter 10. Now, what's interesting is, let's take a look at this real quick. Um, Acts chapter 10, we'll start off here in verse 1. Um, one, of the, one of the issues that, that I've talked about is, uh, of course, with the salvation of Saul, salvation of Paul, you have the beginning of the body of Christ. All right? Now, that, of course, brings up an issue. Hold your place there in Acts chapter 10 and uh, go over to Romans. I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, Romans. Let's go over to Romans. Romans chapter 16. <clears throat> and verse 7. We'll just start off at Romans chapter 16, verse 7. And then we'll get going. Uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 7. Uh, salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we had to study your word. You preserved it throughout the years and ages that we can have it and handle it, study it. That we can uh, take that information, apply it to our lives uh, each, every day, uh, in every detail that, that, we, that we deal with. Uh, that we allow your word to be the final authority in all things. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, as you take a look there, that causes some problems with some folks. And they say, well, if people were in Christ before Paul, then you don't have the body of Christ beginning to Paul. But being in Christ does not equal being in the body of Christ. Right? So those are two different statements to begin with. So that's, that's kind of a non-issue. But there are some folks that have an issue with that. And it really, they really shouldn't. Um, there's, they were also, during Christ's ministry, he talked about me and you and you and me, right? So they could have been in Christ even before that. So in Christ is not always synonymous with the body of Christ, okay? In the body of Christ is different than being in Christ. Now, today in the dispensation of grace, in order to be in the body of Christ, you do have to be in Christ. That's part of it. Uh, back here to be a part of the little flock, they also had to be in Christ. All right, so that's that's an issue that should be a non-issue. But if we come back here to Acts chapter ten, and I bring that up solely just because that is an issue some for some folks, and it really shouldn't be. Um, but over here in Acts chapter ten, let's take a look at some things. Acts chapter ten, verse one. Um, the thing that I want us to be able to remember here. The, the event that we have with Cornelius is something to teach Peter and really the rest of the little flock that something has changed, all right? So that's really what's going on here is we got to keep that in mind as we go through. So notice here in Acts chapter 10, verse 1. 
There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. So the first thing is what we find out here is he's a centurion. Um, real quick, go back to Matthew chapter 8. And I want us to be able to see, see something real quick. Um, this isn't the first time that we see a centurion, right? Um, back here in, in, in Matthew chapter 8, uh, Matthew chapter 8, what we have is during this time period right here, uh, it's after John the Baptist goes and he's in prison. Jesus Christ goes out and he starts his earthly ministry. And um, he comes down, he's, he's up in a mountain, right? You get the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of it, he comes down at the end of eight, eight, chapter 8, verse 1. When he came down, when he, was, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. So that's where we are right here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Notice the very first thing, what happens is he heals somebody, a leper, which is really a picture of the nation of Israel at that particular time. But notice the second thing what happens is verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And my servant, do this, and he doeth it. Now, what's, what's, in, what's interesting is you have a picture of, of the nation of Israel with the leper, and then here you've got a Gentile who, what happens is, is Christ is showing them, if Israel gets straight first, then what's going to happen is, is that, that ministry is going to go out to the Gentiles, and that's exactly what, what he's doing here. Notice in verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them, that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And you go on down through there. So it's interesting. So you've got a picture of the nation of Israel. The very first miracle that he performs after coming down off the mountain is he heals a leper. Then what he does is he, he heals for a Gentile, which of course was a, a picture of the nation of Israel. And then of course he, he heals a Gentile servant. And really, it's a picture to the nation of Israel said, if you get taken care of first, what's going to happen is, then that's going to go out to the Gentiles. But you've got to get taken care of first. They're a leper. They're leprous. The, the, the religious tyranny that they're under and all that stuff, that's, that's a picture of them. And if you get clean and healed, then what's going to happen is, you all can go and heal and clean the Gentiles. Now, Back over to Acts chapter 10. So again, I'll just point that out because that wasn't the first time that we see a centurion show up. But it's interesting. What I want us to think about is on the day of Pentecost, or shortly before that, when Jesus Christ is talking to them for 40 days and 40 nights, where does he tell them to go? He says, go to what? In fact, let's go take a look at it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, right? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power, 
After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth, right? So, what I want us to keep in mind is, Peter knows, and the eleven, technically it's Peter and the ten right now because they've not gotten Matthias yet, but Peter knows where they're supposed to go. They're supposed to go to Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, he goes, he goes to Jerusalem, day of Pentecost. Back over in chapter 10, Peter's still working underneath this system. That great commission, if you will, right? How are they to go into all the world? Well, he gives them the directions on how to get there. But this is something that shows up, and Peter is going to be the one really to tell us, I'm not ready for that yet. Notice in chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band that is called the Italian band. A devout man. Now notice notice the, the description that we have of Cornelius and see if that matches anything that we've heard of or seen previously. He's a devout man and one that feared God with all his house Notice, which gave much alms to the who? The people. the people. Well, who's the people? The people there specifically dealing with the nation of Israel and prayed to God always. So let's think about where we are right now with Cornelius. Um, in order for a Gentile underneath this program back here, what did they have to do in order to get Eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and all that stuff is what? Well, you go back to Matthew 25 and you find out. Even further than that, you go back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and God says what? I'm going to bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. Well, what is Cornelius doing? He is a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people. So what was he doing? He was giving money to the nation of Israel. He was taking care of them. He, he understood what was going on and prayed to God always. So, question. In order to get saved in the dispensation of the grace of God, do you have to give alms to the nation of Israel? The answer is no. Um. So then that should kind of tip us off that what Cornelius is already under is what? This system back here. Now, what we're going to find out is something else as we go through here. But notice, verse 3, he saw in a vision evidently about, uh, evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, uh, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now, when you think about this, 
Cornelius is a person who's doing what? He's a devout man. He feared God with all his house. He gave alms to the people, and he prayed to God all the way. Now, under this system, he's a pretty good little Gentile right now, right? He understands who he is in that, in that particular issue. And so then he, 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 um, he gets a vision. Angel of God says, I want you to go to Joppa. Send some people to Joppa and, and look for Simon, all right? Uh, Simon Peter specifically. Let's keep going. Verse 7, And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto him, he sent them to Joppa. Now, one thing that I think is kind of interesting is when you look at this, notice, notice what he tells us about this soldier. He's a devout soldier that waited on him what? Continually. So then what I want you to think about is what's it mean to be a devout soldier for, for this particular guy is they waited on him what? Continually. So when up here in verse 2, it tells us that, that, that Cornelius was a devout man and he feared God and gave alms to the, to the people and prayed always. That's a continual thing, right? He was devout, so it's something that he did continually. So it's, it, he knows what he's doing is according to that old, that old covenant, if you will. Let's keep on going. Verse 9. <clears throat> on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter was up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. So they're downstairs making food. Uh, he's up on the up on the rooftop and he's he's hungry. And what happens is during this, he falls into a trance. Verse 11, And saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, one of the things that we look at here is it says it's what? All manner of four-footed beasts, all manner of wild, wild beasts, all manner of creeping things and all manner of fowls of the air. Peter, operating under this system back here, there's certain things he's not allowed to eat, Right? And we don't, we don't have time for it, but we can go back in the Old Testament and figure out what that was. But notice, <coughs> verse 14, But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, it's interesting that it's done three different times. Peter says, no. The Lord says, kill and eat. Peter says, no. Kill and eat. Peter says, no. Kill and eat. Peter says, no. Now, this, this, vision, this vision that he has, because that's exactly what it is. He's in a trance. He's, in, he's having this vision. And what God's telling him is, what I've called clean, what I've cleansed, that thou call, call not thou, thou common. So 
what this is, is this is telling Peter something's different. And you're going to see what that something different is as we go down through here. <clears throat> Verse 17. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry from, for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, whose surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Lord said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and go get, get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. <coughs> so, Peter gets this, this vision. Well, first of all, Cornelius is told, send for Peter. Then Peter gets this vision, and it says, What I've called, or what I've cleansed, don't call common. So, again, God is showing Peter that something has changed, okay? But here's the thing. Cornelius there, is he living underneath that old system back there? And the answer is yes. And it's really interesting, um, as we go down through here, keep on going. <coughs> then Peter went down to the, to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion. Notice, we get more information. A just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews. That's a pretty good report about a, a Gentile. I mean, you think about that. If... If underneath this system back here, if you had a Gentile who was a just man, one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, then he's there. There's just one thing that he's lacking. We'll see what that is here in a moment. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see that. But notice, um, he was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear the words of thee. So one of the things that we say all the time, and, and this will be this will be very important here. Um, Peter and Paul, we say all the time, preached two different gospels. And they did. Now, the problem is, is there are some folks, folks that I love, that say that Cornelius was actually saved under Paul's gospel. The problem is, is he couldn't have because he's underneath their thing, and then Peter's the one preaching to him. So then, if you say that he's saved by Paul's gospel, then you make Peter and Paul preach the same thing. Now, that's a problem. <coughs> because they didn't. And we'll see this as we go through. All right, so let's continue on. <clears throat> Verse 23. Then called, he, then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now, Peter is thinking about the vision that he had about the sheep coming down, and he's realizing this is what the sheep was representative of. And what God has cleansed, <clears throat> he shouldn't call common. Verse 24, but I want you to think, he's still in this mode, 
right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. He's still in that thought process. And what he's thinking is things aren't going the way it's supposed to be going right now. And that's what we see. Notice in verse 24. And the morrow they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. <clears throat> Question. Wouldn't that what a devout man, somebody who thinks highly of the nation of Israel, specifically dealing with the head of the 12 disciples, 12 apostles, don't you think that that's what a Gentile who understood his, his position would do? He kneels down to him and worshiped him. Verse 26, But Peter took him up, <clears throat> saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. <coughs> Man. Verse 28. And he said unto them, <clears throat> Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Could he have said that <clears throat> back here? No. So again, this vision is showing Peter that something is changing. This right here is, and it's leading up to chapter 15, which we'll get to sometime, but it's leading up to that. So what he's learning is this, this guy Cornelius, even though he's a Gentile and all the folks that are there, he says, God showed me that I can't call any man common or unclean. Verse 29, Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying. As soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore for what intent ye have sent for me. <clears throat> and Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon's tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, we are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Now, <clears throat> Cornelius is telling Peter, here's why, I've got, here's why I was bringing here. I was told to ask for you, right? And so then Peter says, okay, now I'm starting to understand a little bit more about this vision. Now notice this, <clears throat> verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. <clears throat> Could he have said that? Could Peter have said that during Christ's earthly ministry? Was there a respecter of persons during that time? Absolutely. Acts chapter 2, when he's up there standing on the day of Pentecost and says, ye men of Israel, could he say at that time that God is no respecter of persons? And the answer is no. All the way up until you get to Acts chapter 7. Now, what happens is Peter is going to start learning that there's something different, but he doesn't know what's different until he finds out from Paul. 
Now, that's the big thing is God isn't teaching Peter here Paul's message. What he's doing is he's teaching him something is changing. It's in the process, and I've already started changing it. <clears throat> what he's changed already is what? Calling those things, cleanse those things that were common or unclean. And so then he no longer looks at them that way. And now Peter says what? I perceive of a truth. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Peter wouldn't have said that any time from the time he started working with Christ all the way up until Acts chapter 10. Peter wouldn't have known that. He couldn't have said that. He never would have said that. So this is something new for Peter. Completely new. Now, continue on. Verse 35. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Question. And we're not done with that yet. But question. Because he's going to get into a little bit more detail. But question. Did Paul ever preach that if you fear God and work righteousness, you're going to be accepted of God? And the answer is no. He spoke about by faith, yeah. you're saved. By grace, through faith. All the saints he talked about, they were, it was never like how Cornelius was listed. Yeah. And so then there's, there's a difference. And so this is why, this is why I say it's, it's really important for us to keep this in mind because Peter and Paul did preach two different gospels. The moment that we say that Cornelius is part of the body of Christ, then you're saying that Peter is preaching the same gospel that Paul did. But what he's preaching right here is what? In every nation. That's the southernmost part of the earth. So what God's showing him is something is changing. But we, oftentimes, some folks make more of a deal out of Cornelius than we need to. But let's keep on going. Notice what's going on. Verse 36. The Lord, or the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching... Peace by Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. Who was it that the word of, of God was sent to? Right there he says what? The children of Israel. Right? Verse 37. That word. What word? The word that was preached and sent to the children of Israel. I say ye know. Which was published throughout all Judea. And began from Galilee. After the baptism which John preached. Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And we were witnesses of all, of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Now, pause there for a second. <clears throat> what Peter's doing is he's talking about this, this ministry, this word of the, the word of God, which came really with John the Baptist, but he's saying with the baptism of Jesus Christ all the way through to the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is a message that's been preached. Notice verse 41. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people, 
which is who? Israel. Israel. He's telling the folks there in Cornelius' house, we were supposed to go and preach to the people and to testify that it, that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and dead, to have to, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believeth in his name shall receive remission of sins. Now, isn't that what he's dealing with? Back in Acts chapter 2, What and we talked about this a little bit last week, and I'm running out of space, but what happened last week in Acts chapter 2? They what? Repented? And were what? Baptized? And were what? Holy Ghost, right? He says, repent and be baptized for what? Remission of sins. And then they'll have the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, right? We talked about that last week. <clears throat> we talked about how that order was different with Paul, right? Now, what we're going to find out here is we've already got to change. What's already taken place is you've got a Gentile who what? Already knows his place. That's why he's been, he's a devout man. He's been giving alms to the people this entire time. So he understands who he is and how he is, he cannot by his own works or anything like that or of himself without going through the nation of Israel. He can't do anything. Now, notice this, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Now, what happens is, this order is a little bit different. Here you've got Cornelius who understands who he is and understands that he's supposed to go through the nation of Israel. And then what happens is, all those people there get what? The Holy Ghost. Verse 45. Notice, they're shocked... At the result, which tells you they're seeing something that they didn't expect to happen. And they'll tell you why. Notice. And they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. So what happens is, Peter and the folks that are with him see this take place, and they're astonished. Why? He tells you, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost. So, one of the things that kind of makes me think about is, if they're astonished that the Holy Ghost is poured out on a Gentile, does that mean that there were no Gentiles prior to this that had the Holy Ghost poured out on them? If they're astonished that that's taking place, it kind of makes me ask that question. That's the only thing I've not finished studying out on there, but that's something that I think is really interesting to go and look at. But notice in verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter. Now, what do we know? So they got the gift of the Holy Ghost, and what happens is they started speaking in tongues. The Jews require a sign, right? And we know that tongues was a sign to them that believed not. 
uh, not for those that believe. So what happens is they're seeing things are completely different. Question. Um, the point, the fact that they pointed out the circumcision, mm-hmm. would that also be something that they would be astonished at if these people, like, you know, with the middle wall partition, mm-hmm. most proselytes had to become circumcised. Mm-hmm. These people would not have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, and, and that's a good question. So, so what's going on is... <clears throat> Peter, in Peter's mind, that middle wall partition is still there. And the folks there that's with him, that, that's of, of, of the circumcision, that's their thought process too. They don't know that the middle wall partition is actually broken down yet, but this is their first clue that, hold up, something's different. It's almost like it makes them more human. Yeah. Like, not having that procedure done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so then, what else, what else do they have to do? So they have to they have to have that. Then the next thing is they have to be baptized to be counted with to be identified with that little flock in the nation of Israel. And then they also have to keep all the commandments, right? Right. So those were the doors that they had to go through. But here you've got this person. Has Cornelius or anybody in his house been baptized yet? No. No. If you read in, in Acts chapter 2, he says, repent, for the, uh, repent, be baptized for the remission of sins, and then, and then you'll have the gift of the Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost. So the fact that they've got these Gentiles, first of all, Gentiles having the baptism or the, the Holy, Holy Ghost, but the fact that they've had the Holy Ghost prior to being baptized. So that, that, that just brings up a whole thing. And so then Peter and the, the, the circumcision that was with him knew something's different. All right? Um, keep on going. Verse 47. And this is, this is just one of those things. I can, I can just imagine Peter. <laughs> like, well, what are we supposed to do now? Uh, yeah. I guess we've got to baptize this guy. Yeah, but if the Holy Ghost fell on him, it would have to mean those sins had already mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so then, what, what he says, notice in verse 47, Can any man forbid water, that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as, we, as well as we? Now, this is what's interesting. If, if you read this, notice that these should not be baptized. They've already gotten the Holy Ghost, which was supposed to be after the baptism. So Peter, what's interesting, Peter is the first person to not talk about, to not to to talk about not baptizing somebody. Have you ever thought about that? The first person that we see that talks about not baptizing someone is Peter. He says, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? Well, he's under the impression that if you get if you repent and get baptized, you have the remission of sins, which is still out in the future for them, then they'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. But what's happening here is what? You've got the Holy Ghost that's poured out. The gift of the Holy Ghost is poured out on these Gentiles. Not just the fact that it's poured out on Gentiles, but it's poured out on Gentiles who's not even been baptized. And so Peter's got to pay attention to that. Now, notice... Verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, then prayed they him, they him to tarry certain days. So what's he do? Well, let's baptize him because, you know, 
I, I, I find that interesting. You go to a Baptist church, like, you've been saved? All right, uh, come in, we'll baptize you. I mean, might as well. I mean, nothing else that we do except dunk people in water. Uh, but it's interesting that, that, that it's that way. But we talked about it last week. The order's different, right? We see that. Peter sees that. And notice, keep on going, chapter 11, verse 1. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. Why? They're still thinking they're working off of this back here, and they don't know that something's different. And so then Peter has to educate them. But here's the thing. Peter's not telling them Paul's gospel. Peter doesn't learn exactly what Paul's gospel is until Paul meets up with him and the rest of them in Jerusalem in Acts 15. Now they heard some things, but Peter, Paul's the one that goes and sets everything straight. Now what's interesting is what a lot of people do is they'll say, well, Peter, well, Paul went up to Jerusalem to say, okay, guys, uh, am I teaching the right thing? And that's not what it is. He's going up there and saying, what you're doing is different than what I'm doing. But notice, <clears throat> you had circumcision there that contended with him in Judea. Verse, thir verse 3, saying, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised and, did, and didst eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, and he goes on down through, through the issue and tells them about what was taking place. Um, the fact that he he had this vision, we go down there. He goes over to 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 uh, to Cornelius's house. Notice verse fourteen. Um, talking about Peter, saying, "Who shall tell the words whereby thou and thy house shall be saved?" And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, and as on us at as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the light gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? He's saying, what I had to do was because that's what God's doing. And he was showing us there's something different. Um... Verse 18, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. That was something that they didn't foresee. And what's interesting is, at the end of chapter 11, verse 19, notice at verse 19, now they, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. And so then you've got some really interesting things that's going on there. But here's the thing. Here's what I want us to think about. <clears throat> as we're going down through here, these issues are different. The order in which we see those things are different. Peter is learning that something has changed. By the way, something had already changed. Now, one of the things that that I've that I've heard and I don't I don't think I agree with. I don't think there's enough there to show us that um I've heard somebody say that 
that took place prior to Paul, but I just don't see that happening. Um, I, don't, I just, I don't. Uh, I think that's a cop-out way of trying to deal with it. But something happens, something changes in Acts 9. Peter's going to start learning about it in Acts chapter 10, 11, 12, and 13. We see what's going on with them. And what's interesting, for the most part, from Acts 13 through 28, we don't hear much of Peter anymore. Except for Acts chapter 15. We don't hear much about Peter anymore. So what's interesting too, and we don't have time to go over this because we've got a few seconds left, but what's really interesting is every miracle that Peter did in the first part of the book of Acts, Paul does the exact same thing in the second part of Acts. Everything that Peter does, Paul does. And it's showing him that what's interesting is it, we're, we're, we're being shown that Saul, Paul, basically takes over as the apostle to the Gentiles, and then you kind of see that dimension away of that nation of Israel as we go on down through the rest of the book of Acts. Again, just because we see something after Acts 9 with this Cornelius salvation, that doesn't mean that he was preached Paul's gospel. Couldn't have been. Yeah. He was preaching what he was preaching back here from the beginning. The ministry that was going out from that time was the gospel of the kingdom. Right. Completely different than what Paul's preaching. Like he, he told them about how he hung on the cross. He told them how he rose again. They didn't say believe in that. No. Believe in the name. Yeah. Um, they, were to, they were to accept him as the Christ, as the Messiah. That was, that's, the, that's the point. And that's one reason why you go back over to Acts chapter 2 and he says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Because that's the one that they had to, that they, that they completely and totally rejected that at the cross there. Um, obviously, they already rejected God the Father. Um, so that's why. Because they had to, uh, to, to recognize that he was Christ, and that's why he brings it up in Acts chapter 2. The one that you all slew, God has made both Lord and Christ. Uh, so that's why I had to be baptized in his name. So it's interesting. Order changes, order changes. Peter's going to a Gentile. Gentile gets the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, before he's baptized. Peter goes back. The circumcision don't like it, and he says, here's what's going on. Um, they all know something's different. They all know something's changing, but they don't know what it is yet until Paul shows up. Um, but Cornelius is one of those that's kind of an interesting figure just because of when he gets saved. Um, my point would be if Cornelius at the beginning of chapter 10 is a just man, um, if he's a devout man and he's given alms to the people, that's already part of the salvation anyway for a Gentile. The only thing he was liking at that particular time um, might have been might have just been that that baptism. Um, but it, to me, I find it very interesting that that people kind of struggle with with Cornelius, and so much so that. Guys that's come before us actually have him in the body of Christ and 
I just don't see that possible. So he would be considered part of the little flock? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the little flock, even after Paul, was not part of the body of Christ? No. Okay. No. Um, they're, they're two different, yeah, they're two different entities, the little flock and the body of Christ, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the little, the little flock still have to maintain work? Well, they would have, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the thing about that, too, is you got to think, um, the only thing that the little flock and the body of Christ have in common is Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that they have in common. Um, so, yeah, good question. But Cornelius, like I said, he's one of those figures that, that, that people always want to look at, and, and he's always troublesome for some, and for whatever reason it is what it is. But, um, but hopefully he's not for us. All right. Um, questions? Comments? Concerns? I don't understand why when when it was why was it like why why Holy Ghost and then Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, why is it shaped? Like is it like an extra portion of the Holy Ghost? Like, oh no. Um one one has to do with, with the person, the other has to do with the work. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's that's one thing that I'm wanting us to to study out sometime. Uh, one of them has to do with the person, his title, and the other one has to do with the work that's that he's doing. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a good question. Okay. And it's not that it's changed. It's it's how how we how we how how we're how we're working through with him. Is it because of who he is or the work that he's actually taught, what he's doing? Okay. So yeah. Yeah, we'll take a look at that sometime. It's really interesting, actually. <clears throat> All right. Questions? We good? All righty. Um,